millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Copla Connections, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsilvis. This is episode 43, 42, 43. I'm not really too sure because I have big old COVID brain, guys. Uh, I've really had to drag myself out of bed to record this intro and outro and finish the edit for this Uh yeah, last Thursday, I just got struck down. Uh, I feel like a big old piece of shit. So uh, I'm surprised it, it, it took me this long to get it, but I, I got it. I say that I've, I've been being safe. So, uh, but I've got an absolutely fun episode for you. I spoke to Carson Green, which like feels like it was ages ago now. It wasn't that long ago. I just yeah, it was only like a week or so ago, but. Uh, time is moving real slow at the moment, so I feel like I've been inside for like 100 years or something like that. Um, the film we talk about is The Birdcage, uh, as always the way. We will talk about this film in complete detail, so there'll be spoilers aplenty all the way through our really fun kind of, uh, yeah, we try and dissect as much uh, around this film as well, kind of would this film be made today, kind of looking through 2022 eyes, I know some of you may roll your eyes for that, but like, is this podcast woke? Yes it fucking is, uh, if, 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 if you want to get out, get out now, uh, but yeah this one was uh, lots of fun, so all that's left to do is to head on down to South Beach, let's have a, a right old hoot as we get to know our new favourite family and make some Coppola connections. Today, we're headed to South Beach to meet Armand and Albert as we look at the 1996 comedy The Birdcage, directed by Mike Nichols with a script adapted by Elaine May from the Jean Prenot play Le Cage à Four. The, st- the film stars Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Diane Weist, 
Dan Futterman, Calissa Lockhart, Hank Azaria, and Christine Berinsky. The art department coordinator and this week's Coppola Connection is Stephanie Schwartzman. Uh, to tread the boards with me and to foss, 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 Madonna, 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 our way through this film and determine if the Coppolas are the greatest film family of all time or they need to change their ways to conform to a conservative society is pop culture critic and one half of the great Movie Mavens podcast, the Albert to my Armand today, Carson Green. How are you, Carson? Hi, thank you for having me. What a beautiful intro. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought this film deserved, if anything, it deserved more sparkles. I feel like I should be strutting out to We Are Family. I kind of. I, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely, we should have put on a full show. I feel like we should be in drag. <laughs> yeah, like one of the things before we get into some of the regular questions here, I, I've got to say up top is I'm really tempted to adopt Robin Williams's. Uh, wardrobe as my like summer look those kind of like loose oh, leg yeah. trousers look mm -hmm. really comfortable and probably like great in the heat you can kind of like mm -hmm. i don't know stay covered but also like like i don't know breezy and fresh mm. he was unnecessarily sexy in this movie <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get plenty to how sexy robin williams is in this <laughs> But Good. Um, before we do that, let's yeah tell us tell us a bit about Movie Mavens up top. Like what what is it you guys do over there? Yeah, so Movie Mavens is a podcast. Obviously, uh, we do double features. Um, we call it a spicy double feature. So each week we watch two, sometimes more movies, and then we compare them. Um, and they're generally related in some form or fashion we can do genre or director actor main character uh that sort of thing um but we've never done a coppola double feature but now i feel like we have to i know you've done a sophia one i've i've started listening to the, the sophia's popped up and obviously nicholas cage himself is a coppola so they've popped up on the podcast yes but that's never been the 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 connection oh yes I, yes 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 yeah yes. <laughs> and I feel like now we have to. <laughs> just as a just a homage to what I'm doing over yeah. here. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say as well up top, like listening to your podcast, it's, it's amazing. So anyone who's listening to this, bookmark that you'll listen to Movie Mavens as soon as you finish listening to this chat. Um, hey, thank you. No worries. Well, I, one of the things I always like to ask my guests before we talk about the film is, when did you first become aware of the Coplas? And like, what was your entry point, whether it was a, an actor or director from the family or whoever and when did you realize like whoa there's loads of you know I mean there's loads of these loads of these guys out there well, yeah what's your kind of I don't know, uh, history with the Coppola family as it were yeah so I was thinking about this and um there's two moments that I thought of that I that I don't know which came first here um the first one would be Schwartzman, Jason Schwartzman. I, I watched uh, Wes Anderson Darjeeling Limited when it came out. I think it was like, that was my first Wes Anderson movie, which is weird. Uh, I think it came out in like 2008, maybe. Uh huh. And then right around that time, I also watched The Virgin Suicides, the Sofia, Co the Sofia Coppola. And I think that's from 1999. Uh huh. 
So it was one of those, but I didn't know, like, I didn't know about the Coppolas <laughs> until many years later. Yeah, uh, for my own sins, like, whether it's watching a lot of their films or even knowing about them as the extent, like, the, the amount of guests I've had on being like, I knew there was a few, but then, like, I, I, send, I send out, like, a, a document with the, with the family yeah. tree that people would have seen on socials from time to time that I post, and it is just it's crazy like the amount of kind of not just the influence yeah the influence they have as well like it kind of seems like people who get invited into the family for a brief period mm -hmm. go on to do like great things whether it's like a spike jones who kind of married mm -hmm. sophia coppola then his directing career kind of took off from there and then do you know what I mean uh patricia arquette marrying nicholas cage for instance i'm not saying it is a direct influence from the coppola's but it's kind of it's it's funny how that works out. Yeah, I always forget that Nicolas Cage is a Coppola. Yeah, he changed his name because he didn't want to uh, look like he was getting nepotism, but then happily like featured in several of Francis Ford Coppola's films yeah, in the eighties. So right. it's like I will I will distance myself from the family with one hand, but I will take from the family with another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I I admire nepotism. I I would love to have like a family <laughs> that could give me some sort of nepotism. Yes, it, it's something that's been discussed in this podcast before is how it seems to be in the arts if it's like a family business, like like how it is with like Sophia and Roman kind of growing up on the sets of like mm -hmm. Apocalypse Now and stuff like that. They went on to be film directors and film writers and stuff like that. And that's like people see that as dirty, like in a way they're like, oh, they've they're only at that place because of who their dad is. Yet, I don't know if like you go to like a family run bistro and it's like, oh, this this restaurant's been in the family for like four generations. Everyone goes, what a great place! Like I love this place. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean the the rich history of this? Do you know what I mean it's like well the son only knows how to cook because his mum or dad taught him like working yeah. in the restaurant like that's the only reason they've got that but i don't know i don't know what it is about uh hollywood where everyone's like I, I don't know i guess it boils down to whether those people on their own right are talented right and i guess sophia coppola has proved she's not just uh there because of who her dad is they probably got yeah. her in the door but then obviously her second film won an academy award yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I think it also has to do with money. Uh -huh. You know, like like you can watch these people own this bistro and know that like they're not they're not raking in millions. Yes. Whereas, you know, in Hollywood there's just an abundance of movie or money all the time. And I I think that's where people get upset. Like that's where the hang up is. But for me, you know what? Get your bag. Like, go <laughs> in any way possible. And I think what makes the Coplas interesting is Francis Ford Coppola is constantly on like the verge of bankruptcy throughout his career. So, right. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I, I'm sure when he has the cash, he's like, Sophia, yeah, go make a film. But like half the time, he's like, I, I got nothing to give you. Like, do you know what I mean? yeah, I'm, right. I've pumped all my money into making, making a movie, and I'm not sure if it's going to succeed or not. Yeah, it's like I gave you the name. Go work it, figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, money might be another another question yeah. together. Um, so you, I'm all right in believing you live out in LA, right? Have you? I do. Yeah. So uh -huh. have you ever have you ever uh, 
come in contact with a Coppola? Have you ever passed Sophia on the street? Have you ever seen Roman getting a taco or anything like that? Have you ever had the privilege? You know, not on purpose. However, uh, maybe on accident. Maybe I've been in the same room. I mean, I've been to some cool events. Uh Maybe I've been in the same room as, as a Coppola. I, yeah, let's just go with yes. I have been in the same room as a Coppola. <laughs> You've breathed the same air, most likely. <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah, so, someone once said they saw Phantom Planet live and they ca- counted that as uh, as, as, as oh my eating God. a Coppola. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll, t- we'll, t- we'll, take, we'll take whatever if you've been at a fancy. Oh, room. you know what? Here's something funny is I um, was worth, so I uh work in marketing and I was working on a movie um a couple of months ago and uh the studio that I was working with I went into a meeting with them and the guy told me that he had just come out of a meeting with Nicolas Cage about his latest movie The Unbearable Weight or yeah. what's it called? The Unbearable Weight Massive Talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so at least tangentially I've been in maybe the same meeting as Nicholas Cage. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, so what would have been your first film that would have involved Stephanie uh, Schwartzman? I know that's a difficult one because she's very much kind of behind the scenes in movies and kind of has a, a small IMDb list of credits. But yeah, uh, did you manage to check out her IMDb and see which of her films you would have seen first? I did not, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume it's The Birdcage because I've been watching this movie since I was a child. I remember watching this like very young. So <laughs> I'm just going to go with The Birdcage. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. What What else has she done? Anything like that I would know by name? Yeah. So yeah, her, her like credits are, are really interesting. So she did uh, Edward Scissorhands. She was like kind of worked in the props oh. department on that. Uh, Edward. Uh, memoirs of the invisible man uh, the little princess is it the alfonso coron film wow okay um, i've seen all of these yeah 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 that's what i mean she's got like this kind of like amazing like behind the scenes career just for like the 90s kind of uh yeah. worked on these bangers and then was just kind of like i imagine like, oh, that that's not what i want to do anymore like i've had a, i've had a taste yeah. of the family business it's not for me Oh my God, Ed Wood is a twofer. That's a that's a uh, pa- Patricia Arquette movie too, right? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think I think pre pre Nicholas Cage marriage. So, uh-huh. yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's um, yeah, let's talk about the Birdcage. But before we do, here's the trailer. Pop, I'm getting married. <laughs> it's a girl. I met her at school. It's this wonderful, uh, what, what are you, are you upset? But let me tell you why. Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Are you crazy? You can't get married. It's out of the question. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin. Yes, and so have I. Oh! Uh, who's his father? His father is in the arts. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. You know, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. What does the mother do? She's a housewife. Oh, I could play it straight. 
take your knife and you smear. Men smear. Smear, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Get the pinky <laughs> down. Oh. Right, hold the knife boldly yeah. in the strength. <laughs> no, I'm coming like pierce the toast. Al, you old so-and-so. How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed, bewildered? Call me. Perfect. Won't you come in? Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, come here and give me a hug. such tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. Oh God, it's a nightmare. Get up, everybody, and uh, something about the father and the skull. I can't put my finger on it's it. It's nothing. What do you mean? It's, it's nothing. It is Dad, something. It's nothing. Something very strange is going on. So this film was released on March 8th, 1996 with a budget of $31 million and grossed a box office of $185.3 million. I think it was the seventh best movie of 1996. Yeah, so it would have... Uh, just the seventh best yeah it was the seventh like uh not bad yeah do you mean like uh financially at least yeah grossing yeah yeah so it was trails behind independence day twister mission impossible the rock shout out nicholas cage ransom and the nutty professor so what uh so yeah i'll ask you uh to give us a, a plot for this film what is the what is the synopsis of this film yeah like how, how would you describe it carson uh, so it's about this club owner in south beach robin williams um and his son wants to get married to a senator's daughter and the senator just so happens to be a conservative asshole who is going <laughs> through some uh political problems and um yeah sort of like antics arise because nathan lane who plays robin williams husband uh decides upon himself herself to play the wife in the meeting of the parents and antics ensue that's perfect yeah obviously i said in the intro to this that it's based on a a a French play and you can definitely I think you can definitely tell that right like it kind of has the structure of you could you could see this kind of mounted on the stage I know there's there's a a 1978 movie which spawned two sequels so like now I'm really excited to be like I really enjoyed this world I've I know the original is in Criterion Collection so I guess that gives it like a stamp of approval somewhat like whatever you think of the criterion collections i'm like i'm excited to watch that what like go back to that and then go like oh i can spend more time with armand and albert yes please despite it not being uh robin williams and nathan lane but yeah what was your kind of introduction to the to the birdcage you said you saw it saw it young but like what's kind of your relationship been with it over the years as well yeah so i started i started watching it um so something about me, I, I grew up in Alabama, 
which is a very conservative place. And um, my mom grew up in California, and so she, I, she, all, she introduced me to a lot of culture that I otherwise would not have known. Uh -huh. And the Birdcage was part of that. So we would, we watched it at home because she loved Nathan Lane. She thought he was a riot, rightfully so. Um, but I just, I, I remember watching this movie and like wanting to talk about it with my friends and like none of my <laughs> friends had seen it um, because of where we grew up. And, but, but like it didn't diminish. And in fact, I, I felt myself like part of a club because I had seen it and it was like a very adult movie and it was very like, you know, there was gay people on screen. Like, are you serious? Like yes. openly gay people. And so I think like, Every time I've watched it since then, which, you know, I've watched it over the years, I just like, yeah, I feel sort of like part of a, part of a secret gay club. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's nice. It's, it's very like, and to that point, like it's very inclusive and it's very like, um, I don't, I don't feel any no judgment or you know like any of the any of the commentary any of the political commentary i don't think any of it is about queerness or or drag queens or like gay marriage or anything like that i think all of the political commentary falls entirely on the other side of the aisle which i really appreciate that i like it especially for 1996 yeah and uh, obviously like for me it was the first time I kind of like when I told you you were surprised like when we were messaging beforehand but what what I found quite striking about it is the the messages and the kind of themes that it deals with like unfortunately are still relevant today like there's mm -hmm. kind of like topics of like discussion in this especially like when Nathan Lane is pretending to be the mother um, mm -hmm. and pretending to be uber conservative like there's there's kind of references made to abortion like done in a kind of like you know I mean? a palatable humorous way but yeah obviously is a massive kind of epidemic in the u.s at the moment kind of with the laws that are being passed and it's like mm -hmm. if anything like things like that the kind of conservative view on uh, the LB, uh, LGBTQ plus community in the US and, and, and the UK as well, well, have got worse. It's not like we're kind of looking mm -hmm. back at this and be like, oh, wow, look how kind of uh, backward thinking conservatives were then. Like they, they've softened. Like if anything, they've like doubled down and got yeah. worse. So it's kind of like it feels evergreen. There are, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously, I feel like there's elements of it that wouldn't um probably be done today and that like whether it's like to do with casting like yeah i, I wanted to play this clip because uh H hank azaria was asked about the role that he plays in this of um agador spartacus and he had this to say it was i mean i had a lovely time doing that working with the great mike nichols and robin williams and gene hackman and nathan lane and Diane Weist, and it's one of the first movies I ever did. It should be pointed out that it's a role that I would not play today, and rightly so. It would go to certainly, uh, uh, although I grew up in a, ha a Spanish-speaking household. I'm a Sephardic Jew, and my, my parents both were fluent in Spanish, but um, and spoke it, uh, uh, you know, with their families uh, uh, in place of English a lot. But um, uh, it's not a role I would play today. 
Absolutely. And, and rightly really? so. I'm, I'm, I, oh, no. You know, I mean, it, it, would, it would go to a genuine Latin actor and, uh, and perhaps even a genuinely gay actor. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that I got the opportunity to play it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But uh, it's not a role I would, I would play today. Yeah, I think that's like one of the kind of sticking points. And one of the things whilst researching this, I kind of listened to some other podcasts, like kind of from queer content creators to kind of like, obviously, yeah, like uh, regular listeners to the podcast will probably assume, and rightfully, that I am a a cisgendered white male, uh, do you know what I mean, heterosexual uh, man. So obviously I wanted to get that those perspectives, whether it is from uh, other like, yeah, like, uh, uh male like the male perspective but from that queer perspective or female perspective and stuff like that and like uh, a lot of the points i heard was that that this is a film that's about the gay experience but it's for a, a heteronormative crowd would you kind mm-hmm. of jive with that do you think it's kind of aimed towards a more yes yeah, it's, it's, it's aimed towards us straights not the gays yeah yeah so i want to i want to first comment on what he said Uh um, that he would not take this role and I think that is extremely admirable I wish that more people had that attitude and I think like now in Hollywood I think we're kind of moving towards that where people are um, maybe more apprehensive to play disabled roles to play queer roles to play um you know, roles that they don't necessarily like fit fit the bill. And I appreciate that he said that. I, I really, really do. <laughs> I wish that more actors were that way. However, I will say that I can't see anyone but Robin Williams playing this. And yes. I don't think he was queer. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Like in my research, finding out that originally the cast of this was going to be Steve Martin in the Amand role and Robin Williams in the Albert role. So, uh, wow. Oh, wow. I cannot see, I can't see <laughs> Steve Martin doing that. No. Um, but I will say, okay, I, I am a queer person, so I feel like I have some authority Amazing. here. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. What was the original question? I wanted to go back to what he said. Uh, just in regards to like, is this a film that is like, skewed more towards a straight audience as opposed to a queer audience oh yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there when you when um it's very it's palatable um and i think what what like the um conversation that nathan lane has um at when he's playing the mom the woman character and he's sort of like throwing out these really extreme takes about conservatism conservatism and um like you know just american politics like those are what i mean you know that's a lot of like what people actually think and so while it is like kind of wrapped up in this humorous way it's still ultimately validating for the straight experience for kind of the the fringe um you know characters and i think too what works here is that Robin Williams was such a huge force in the 90s that straights and gays alike flocked to him mm-hmm. and he was welcoming and he was an easy kind of character and person to latch onto and 
um yeah just uh just like he made everything okay yeah. he could you know he could play any character and it would just be like oh it's just robin williams playing a character and i i think it like speaks to the point that like unfortunately we've in a, we live in a society where stuff like this has to happen but you also you like i imagine at a time like the 90s you need that massive name like a robin williams to get people through the door but then you're kind of introducing them to like what would be deemed as like a subversive way of living do you know what I mean that yeah. obviously isn't that but obviously yeah in 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 the 90s even now like people i don't know they'll happily see a film do you know what I mean like you get you get oscar Beatty, matthew mcconaughey in like yeah. dallas buyers club and people mm-hmm. go and watch it because like, oh it's, it's matthew mcconaughey I, I love him from all those films where he's leaning against his co-star with his top off in those rom-coms right. i'll go watch this movie and then you're kind of Oh, you're 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 showing a story about HIV or whatever, and I guess like this and on the other, yeah, this kind of in that same vein, but as a comedy, it's kind of like showing, yeah, and it, and it, I think in the way it kind of plays towards a straight audience as well is one of the things I, I noticed is like there's not overtly um, like uh, like affection towards. Mm-hmm each other like between armand and albert like there's never mm-hmm. like a kiss or anything like that it's kind of it's, there's touches and stuff like that but there's never like embraces and stuff like that and uh, the 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 plot the, the plot line as well is is kind of like i don't know there's it's 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 really interesting in that like it, it kind of gently deals with kind of whether it's like internalized homophobia or mm-hmm. kind of um yeah the the queer experience of having to shrink yourself mm-hmm. to uh be accepted in a wider society but kind of does it with a spoonful of sugar that like kind of i don't know you can take it on the surface level just being a bit of a farcical comedy but then it, i think it does it does have something to say and i guess it would be like a an entry level film to maybe people experiencing more queer stories throughout cinema yeah, I think to to your point, I I think that the plot point of like them they're breaking up, um, and we get that like in their in the first scene that we see them together in, is that they're breaking up, and so yeah, there isn't a lot of embrace, there isn't um, you know physical touch, and it I yeah I think it it like it makes it easier for straight people to straight people to watch. However, and I was just, and I was thinking about this, like, I watched it as a kid growing up in Alabama, right, as a queer kid who, like, would not come out for very many years. And I was just thinking, like, I wonder what this was like for, you know, like, older people uh, in the LGBT community to watch and see themselves represented on screen in this huge Hollywood blockbuster. I mean, this is a Coppola film, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like this is this is huge. I I just like I wonder what that experience was like, especially in the nineties. Like, you know, people in in Alabama, sure, were went to the movie theater to see this, and it wasn't weird. It was like, you know, they could go and see themselves represented on screen to some degree. Like, you know, that I don't know. That's like, I I like that. That's heartwarming to me. So, so talking about like the, the the film like you talk about the opening 
What are some of the moments, like some scenes that always stand out to you when you think of the birdcage? Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> the dinner scene, obviously, uh-huh. but like um, with the soup bowls, I didn't I didn't get that for a long time, <laughs> but yeah. I remember I remember seeing it as a kid. Uh, listener, in in this scene, they're they're being served soup, and in the bottom of the bowls are um, naked men, presumably <laughs> performing lewd acts. Um, and there's this whole thing about, oh, let me see, let me borrow your glasses, let me see if I can. <laughs> what are they doing here? Um, and I didn't get that for many years, and and then when I did, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so, so definitely that scene and then all of the performance scenes, all of the drag scenes, I remember watching those like growing up and just thinking like, look at them like having fun and being themselves. Like, this is dope. This is rad. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I remember being really confused during the scene where Robin Williams goes to see, um, Val's wife. Or not wife, um, Val's mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and like their whole exchange. So that's a time when we do get physical touch. Yes. She's she sticks her hands like down his shirt to like feel his chest hair. And I just remember being really confused and being like, hang on a second. Like he's married to Albert. He's yeah. like <laughs> he's preoccupied. Like, what do you mean? What is what is this? What's what's um, interesting about that as well is that like she seems more turned on by him for the fact that like she even comments on like how masculine he looks with the hairy chest because like yeah he used to shave it back in his kind of theater days and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's, it's yeah it's a it's like a, yeah it's a confusing scene but in the way that I don't know like he's gone there just to ask for help and she's hitting on him and it's like I uh, yeah and I think that the, the chemistry between Lane and Williams it does like you I tell us they're like, no, don't do anything. Jerry, you know I mean? like being the first time watching, I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't stop this. Stop the dancing. Do you know what I mean? Invite. I was like, invite Albert in. Like you've mm-hmm. popped the champagne. Get Albert in as well. It could be lovely. And then like, yeah, he, he obviously does walk in on the moment when the hands on the chest and storms out rightfully. Yeah, I think that scene. That scene was played for straight audiences. That's not a that's not a that's not a scene for representation. That's definitely played for like, oh look, here wait, don't forget, don't forget, here's what straight people look like. Sorry about all the gayness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that and the film ends on like the heterosexual like couple getting together and like getting married and it ends on like a a kiss from them not like it kind of it's no longer about Armand and Albert it's, it's all about uh Val and Barbara instead and it's like oh no like like kind of I wish it had that like I don't know the fairy tale ending for those two characters do you know what I mean like I know yeah. one, of, uh, one of the stage productions of it ends with like a musical number I think it was a Broadway show in like the, the early 80s so like yeah it ends with those two ascending a staircase and kissing in like and then it goes to black and it's like ah that's what i end that's what i want for this film i want a big like and that's the thing that now knowing there's a broadway musical version of it i'm like how 
how great would this have been like it's great as it is but like if this were a musical it would have been oh, yeah. even better <laughs> yeah yeah and you know even the wedding though like i i think of the wedding i think because it was put on by armand and albert like i think of it as a big gay wedding yes. <laughs> even though it's two straight people getting married that's a big gay wedding <laughs> i bet that would be a really fun event to go to <laughs> so let, let's talk about that relationship between um williams and lane like what do you like what do you think of their chemistry and how they kind of bounce off each other in this film? Oh my god! From the moment we first lay eyes on on Albert, uh, when he's sort of having like a dr- a drag meltdown yeah. <laughs> um, in his dressing room, and he's like, he's besides he's beside himself because Armand has decided to leave him to call it quits. Um, and it's just like it's so dramatic but at the same time like robin williams character armand he just like he brings him back down to earth he's like okay you're in the clouds you're you're like losing your mind come back down and perform in this club that we have together and relax like let's all just take a deep breath and that scene just like it just it introduces their kind of like their relationship and like their dynamic in a really beautiful and funny way. Yeah. And then it it just kind of like without a without missing a beat, like their their whole chemistry, their relationship just like it unfolds in a really again, like palatable but uh-huh. also endearing way. Yeah, I I love that the film kind of starts with like a a good esque like Martin Scorsese like walk through the club. And you've kind of got like Armand like attending to people, being like, oh, the Kennedys are in, like, I'll oh, give them like give them a round of coffees on me and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. And then I think he said he he turns up to their table, he's like, Oh, save some room for some coffee. <laughs> like yes. I love all that stuff. And then like Hank Azaria being introduced, uh, and like he, he's he's like the kind of costume uh, the the house boy, but also like um Albert's kind of yeah dresser when when getting mm-hmm. ready for drag and like just the just the small details about like the the pyrin tablets and like oh uh, yeah like oh you, you you're drugging him what are you doing and he's like no I'm, i've just scratched the a and the s off of aspirin <laughs> tablets it's like it's, it's genius i love it yeah i think you're definitely uh-huh. right about how it it sets it like really easy like i don't know tightly sets up their their dynamic as a as a, as a couple and like i don't know you kind of you get the sense that armand is like in the kind of comedy sense is the straight man and then mm-hmm. um and then yeah nathan lane's uh albert is more of that kind of like wild card madcap like comedy character in it and i mm-hmm. I, I love that i i, I just love their dynamic i just found myself like watching this film and obviously we've talked about like some of the i don't know sticking points of of the some yeah aspects of this film but i think i found myself just smiling throughout and i I, yeah i haven't like i just like ugly laughed a few times and i watched this on my own and i could only imagine what it would be like to to watch it like i'm definitely gonna be bookmarking it for any like revival houses uh, over here that are showing showing it just to see it with like a packed out audience of fans because yeah it was, it, it was so fun to watch on my own so i can only imagine what it'd be like to watch with a room for the people 
Yes. Oh my god, a room full of queer people. That sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm gonna look for like a a showing um here. I bet they are showing it. It's Pride. You know, I live in LA. I bet it's here. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and watch this. <laughs> um, but I did. I wanted to comment on um. Oh my god, what's his name? Uh, Spartacus. No, but what's his first name? Uh, Ag- Agador. Agador. Agador Spartacus. Okay, that whole thing was so funny. But I wanted to comment on his physical comedy oh. in in this. Oh my god. Everything he does is so funny. <laughs> and like he always has like a straight face. Like he's always very concerned. Like he's, you know, he does his job really well. But like like there's this scene where he just like completely trips over himself. And and even like even the stuff of of like the first time we see him cleaning and he's playing Gloria Stevan and oh. he's got the wig on and he's got these short shorts on and he's just you know, like he's having like a very like straight conversation like about, you know, business and and work and life. But he's just like he looks so goofy yes. and he's always playing the part. I, what I love about like uh, Hank Azaria and like something around this film is that um, whilst he was prepping for the role of Agador, um, he's good friends with Billy Bob Thornton and uh, he was prepping for Sling Blade at the time. And they oh would my God. drive around in their cars just like in character. So you had Bully Bob Thornton and Hank Azaria <laughs> like kind of pretending they were like buddy, in a buddy cop film, but just like keeping their characters on the whole time. And I can only imagine like what that would have been like if you had like, they had pulled up next to you at like a stoplight or something like that, just to like see those two, like especially <laughs> yeah. Hank Azaria doing that. And it's, yeah, I think it's like an underrated, I don't know, like, yeah. You can see this being like I don't when, when it, yeah when I saw that it was like a seventies it kind of has that feel of like a a European like kind of fast to it do you know what I mean I can imagine mm-hmm. it being like even more over the top maybe like especially if it's made in like the seventies and stuff like that like really falling over and like everyone, oh like, yeah falling and the stage version I can imagine like even more so because obviously they've got the people in the nosebleeds have to have to really see the the movements for it and stuff like yeah. That. But, He's he's perfect. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. What, what about the rest of like the supporting cast? Obviously, we've got, we got powerhouse Gene Hackman in this, who obviously played yeah. an absolute piece of shit. And then we have Diane Weist, who... Uh, I think was only 16 years older than uh, Clarissa Lockhart. Uh, so like, wow. Could have never have like, yeah, like, oh, could have been a mum, but like, I'm sure like as a conservative, 16 would not have been a, an appropriate uh, age to give birth to a daughter. Yeah. Uh, I just, on this, I want to comment on while Yes, this is incredible, like, queer representation. It's also, we also have kind of a cringe sort of situation in terms of relationships in which this is definitely a grooming situation, right? Like, Val is, what, 20? And Barbie, Barbara, she had just turned 18. And she makes Mm. the comment. She says, oh, yeah, we've been sleeping together for a year. Oh my God, the way I like had a full body cringe. Like, I don't think, see, like, I think that we could remake all of this, but now if, if this was made in, in 2022, we would definitely age those two characters. Like that was the most. Yeah. The only thing I can think about that is maybe like it was something like in the translation that they just didn't change. Cause obviously like Mm -hmm. the, the age of consent uh in the uk and i think france is the same it's 16 so like wow. uh so i guess like that that like giving giving the filmmakers a benefit of a doubt on that that's the only thing i could think that that would be but yeah definitely like it is like it is it is it is a sticky situation especially in america and i'm surprised that being the ultra conservatives that they are that they didn't like jump on that point when she mentions they've been sleeping together for a year and like yeah she would have been underage (laughs) yeah yeah no that was uh that was really like the only like cringe oh my god this this aged really poorly Mm -hmm. um but i i think that like that whole family i think gene hackman uh Diane Weiss, I think they <laughs> they played a really great couple. I think they they riffed really really well off of each other. I think they complimented each other well, and they were really funny. They were yeah. really funny because they were they played dumb so well. Like yeah. they were believably stupid, <laughs> which is it, well, I mean it can be hard to do, but they were believably stupid. I really appreciated that. What I love in the dinner party sequence is the kind of like to and fro we have where as an audience we think they've like cottoned on to the fact 
of like uh, the the ruse that obviously they are gay men pretending to be straight, or the fact that it's it's not an actual woman. It is it is Albert dressed up as a middle aged stuffy conservative woman, and like you get those moments where like I think yeah, Gene Hackman says like there's something up with the with with Armand and the butler, or there's do you know what I mean like uh, oh, I figured it out and stuff. There's that moment where he's like. I figured out what's wrong here and then he goes uh yeah like Catherine like the 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 mum she she just has to put up with Armand and his European ways and stuff like that and it's like I just love that kind of stuff because they are just they're portrayed to just be really dumb and it's very much Mm. it's wearing its kind of liberal like stripes on its arm and it's like yeah fuck those conservatives yeah right yeah and like you know, it. there is so many more believable scenarios before they arrived at gay. Like, they could be anything else. These people could be con artists before we would believe <laughs> them to be gay people, which is yeah. so... <laughs> that's e- like... E- even when on. you get to the reveal, right? Even when you get to the... Like, when it all comes out into the open, they're like, um, yeah, Senator, Senator Keeley, like, gene hackman's character just still can't believe it even when like nathan lane's taken off the wig he's like uh uh, what is going on here and like Uh yeah and i guess that point i because i don't it's something i don't quite get in this film is that if they didn't have to sneak through the club because obviously before that like they say to barbara that's it you're coming with me and she says oh i would have loved to have been a part of your family so we can assume that the wedding at that point would be off. Mm-hmm. But once they sneak through the club and get on their way, then they get married. I guess, yeah, This what this film is missing is a kind of like a changing of heart scene for the mm-hmm. Keeleys. We never get that kind of like, oh, gay is okay scene from them. It's kind of mm-hmm. we go from them like, yeah, uh, senator keely in drag and uh, diane weiss like dressed up to oh then it's the wedding there is never there is never really i don't know you, you never see a change in their kind of or, or not overtly not not at all i don't think of the kind of characters outlook on on, on homosexuals yeah i think i don't think that that would fit in here uh-huh. i mean like as 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 much as I would appreciate that scene and I do crave that sort of like on-screen validation, I don't think it would fit here, unfortunately. Um, and if it did, I don't think that it would have played as well in 1996 if uh-huh. if there was this like gay is okay. I think the fact that we end on the wedding is like, that's all we're going to get out of this is, yes. you know, they they let her their daughter marry into this gay family yeah 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 it's also it's more subtextual than it is kind of Mm -hmm. context of the film yeah definitely yeah Um, so um it's yeah i'm trying to think of other points yeah one of the points i I wanted to ask you about is is this one of like robin williams more restrained performances because obviously like he's he's known for being like quite out there do you know i mean you think like a couple years earlier would have been in miss doubtfire where it just seems like I don't know, he's he's a voice actor, so it's an excuse for him to do wacky voices and there's uh 
the yeah the whole character of Miss Doubtfire is him to just put on this kind of proto Shrek voice almost and stuff yeah. like that. Like, yeah, what what do you think of his performance in this? And is it one of his more measured? Yeah, that's interesting. I guess yeah, he is really constrained, and it makes me wonder if it's because he wanted to give this queer representation on screen a fair shake uh-huh. um you know he didn't want to play and this is just me speculating maybe he didn't want to play like a hugely overtly you know flaming person who maybe would turn off audiences uh-huh. yeah i know he said like that like he asked mike nichols if he could play armand instead because i think he yeah to your point like had had kind of played all these wacky like wacky characters and kind of quite quite flamboyant characters up until that point that was like i want to try i want to try this out and i think it was a right decision because i think nathan lane is perfect for this role and um somebody who wasn't actually openly like out in the world at that point in his like life or yeah out in the open yeah out in the like uh yeah in his real life hadn't actually come out and there's a really interesting moment on oprah where she tried to out nathan lane on tv and just just shows like how much of a an ally and like nice guy that robin williams was to nathan lane as well um yeah have a listen to this to work with people that First, starting with Mike Nichols, who, yeah. who is sort of his legendary. Were you afraid director. of taking that role and being like typecast and people forever saying, "Are you? Are you not? Is he? Is he, honey? I don't know." Um, <laughs> girl, you changed just in the middle of that sentence. <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't make me come out there. Yeah. So. <laughs> What was the question? <laughs> All right, I uh, be, being typecast. Well, uh, not really. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I don't have an image to uphold. I'm basically a character actor, and and uh, uh, I'm not a sex symbol. I, I I sort of from role to role, I, I'm I'm usually pretty different, and uh, so uh, no. And the material was so incredible that uh, I don't know how you could you know turn it down because mm-hmm. you you would be worrying about your image. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful character and uh, and very nurturing. Um, Didn't you just love playing him, her, sometimes? Uh, Especially when she was her. Especially this. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, there was a when the, he was her. There yeah. was a um, a big sort of production number in the beginning that that, that was cut, but uh, we I came out and there were like two hundred people in a in a nightclub and I had a great time. And yeah, you it is sort of freeing once you put on you know big leopard boots. And a cape, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to let go. I find, I find that really interesting. Like, do you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. That, uh, and, and Nathan Lane has gone on record saying, like, I'm 40, single, and I work a lot in musical theatre. You do the math. What do you need? Flashcards. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he, <laughs> yeah. He, 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 I think he said he didn't, he didn't, he didn't feel comfortable saying it to, to, to anyone, especially, like, not live on TV with Oprah, yeah. like, which is... Yeah, and I think uh, I don't know Robin Williams jumping in kind of to to divert the situation and maybe give give Nathan Lane that that, that breathing space to kind of 
yeah a measured answer that yeah was is, is a beautiful thing to i don't know yeah but. no that's a great ally moment that was definitely an interception of hey lady watch it okay yeah there's <laughs> a, you can kind of miss it in that clip because it's all kind of quite frantic but like robin williams really like quickly says like what was that like yeah like kind of like calling out oprah being like what what are you what are you doing right yeah that's not that's not the conversation we're having yeah we're here to promote a bloody film like that's not yeah like uh his sexuality has nothing to do with it we're playing we're playing these characters right now yeah no i what i got from that clip first of all i i miss robin williams what a great like what an incredible personality. What a great... I was talking to a friend about this the other day, um, and he was saying, like... We, he was saying, like, isn't Robin Williams everyone's favorite? And I just said... And I just thought, like, no, actually, a lot of people don't... You know, like, kids these days, they didn't grow up with Robin Williams like we did. You know, mm-hmm. he, they, he wasn't this powerhouse in so many funny, you know, like, kid comedies growing up. Whereas, like, you know, we grew up with him and he's a staple. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, but I, ha- I hadn't heard his voice maybe, like, him him doing him <clears throat> until for a while, until this clip. So thank you for playing that. I really... <laughs> I love him. He's he's a beautiful soul. But Nathan Lane also just like in incredible actor. Like who do we have nowadays to compare him to? Like who can we It's mm. like I mean this is just like a powerhouse duo. Yeah. And I don't you know like I've been thinking about what the remake of this is like would look like. And I just don't want it to be remade. This is so good. Yeah, I'm trying to think who, like, because I know it was, like, uh, muted in the 80s that um, Dudley Moore and Frank Sinatra were going to play these, like, play, like do a version of this, like, uh, for oh, film. God. And I'm like, I'm so glad that didn't happen. It kind of felt like it came out at the right time with the with the right actors. And I think, yeah, Robin Williams' performance in it, like, I don't know. I've I've seen a lot of Robin Williams, but like some of his more like I don't know. I guess like more adult centric stuff. Like this, mm-hmm. yeah. This in the UK is a fifteen. I think is rated R in the US. Like I haven't seen a lot of like that stuff where it's like the Fisher King and stuff like that. I feel like other films that came out in '96 that Robin Williams was in, like Jack and Jumanji. Mm-hmm. I've seen those two movies like plenty of times. Uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah like this 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 slipped under my radar for so long and like kind of it's always on my watch list but ne- never got around to it and i'm so glad i'm so glad i'm so glad i've watched it now and so, so thanks for picking it do you think do you think it's because it was a queer movie not to call you out in any way no, just sort of no, like... no 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 i i, I had no idea what it was like do you know what i mean i'd like <laughs> <laughs> i'd like yeah. genuinely like um because the regular poster like the the blu-ray i got of it recently like there is no like denying that it is possibly a queer movie because it's mm-hmm. like a pink case do you know what I mean like whereas i think the, the the longest time and i think it's because of the original posters and like the kind of slick back hair that um that yeah the kind of 
the dress and that. I, I always got it confused with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels for some reason, just because I think they've got oh. similar posters. And I just thought uh-huh. it was about like, yeah, I thought it was about a couple of club owners. and Oh, yeah, I thought it was about a club owner. I never, like, that has, ne- like, never been an issue. Like, it sounds like, uh, what is it? the lady doth protest too much like me, me kind of like <laughs> protesting no no i've never never had a problem with like with, with, with queer representation yeah on but like no i don't think it was ever that i just think it was i don't know like i just end up watching other stuff do you know what i mean or yeah kind of, yeah oh yeah if it had cropped up on streaming i'm sure i would have dived on it but like yeah i had to i had to order a blu-ray to like what, what watch it like this time so i would have easily have watched it and I'm, I'm I'm sad I didn't. You know what? You're here now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better late to I, the party than not at all, right? Yeah. I think that's interesting though that to that's an interesting point of like this movie definitely was marketed a very particular way. Maybe so that it could play in theaters in yeah. Alabama and so like it could, you know, be at a video rental store like in rural Arkansas or something like that. You know, it's definitely marketed a, a certain way to where they didn't uh, want to allude to the fact that it was a queer story in order to maybe uh, market to the masses to make it, yeah, more palatable, which I'm so glad we're over that. I'm so glad we can be out and proud and loud. Definitely, definitely. Well, before we kind of start to wrap things up, is there anything like from the film whether it's like thematically scene wise or members of the cast that we've missed that you would like to talk about mm. no you you already touched on the on the pyrin pills <laughs> which is <laughs> such a great detail i love that uh yeah i mean there's just a there's a bunch of like really fun and quick one liners like um when Nathan Lane says that he went to go visit his parents in in West Palm Beach or something like that, and then they were like, "Wait a second, I thought they were in Cocoa Beach, wherever they say," and then he says, "Oh yeah, well, that's what my parents always said: is live in Cocoa Beach and be buried in West Palm Beach." <laughs> I, I I love that. Yeah, in that sequence, we're kind of like. Uh, of of him playing this ultra conservative like mum, mm-hmm. we, we're dropped into like conversations like halfway through. There's a moment mm-hmm. where they're talking about like killing abortion doctors, and yeah. like Nathan Lane's character says like, "What I say is we kill the mothers." Like you may be yeah. thinking the fetus will die, but I say they like it goes down with the ship, and it's like <laughs> you kind of like it takes you back, but it's like I don't know, it almost presents how kind of twisted these mm-hmm. these views are like people mm-hmm. ha- genuinely have these real views and stuff like that and i guess mm-hmm. like we were saying with like queer representation it kind of puts it in like not that it necessarily has to be palatable um packaging but it puts it puts that kind of it sneaks in it sneaks in these these top mm-hmm. like these kind of conservative issues and kind of how ludicrous they are in these jokes and i think that's really great in it and to the point of like we've talked about how funny this film is i think there's like beautiful moments of kind of pathos and like uh just just beauty like the i, I love like the the small moments between nathan lane and robin williams like there's that moment where they're 
a beautifully framed shot as well where they're sat on that bench. Oh, yeah. And he pulls out the, the palimony papers, like, and kind of explains, like, everything I have, like, is yours and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's, yeah, moments like that are, are just really tender and sweet. Mm-hmm. And, like, I found myself watching this film as well. Like, and obviously, like, I can't relate to the to the queer experience or kind of, um, yeah, I, I can obviously empathize to it. But, like, I definitely, I think there's, like, things in here just for, that feeling of otherness and kind of like if like even like if you're like a liberal person and like butting up against like kind of conservatives like i've had relationships in the past as like somebody called petros patsylvus having to like that's a great name (laughs) talk to like like talk to partners and like parents who are uber conservative like about issues on like uh I don't know, like, yeah, a few years ago we had a a referendum here whether the UK would leave um, leave the, the European Union. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I was asked once, like, what are you voting? And it's like, my name is Petros Patsilibus. Like, <laughs> what do you think I'm voting? I'm like, I'm a, I, I, I'm a European man. Like, uh, yeah, right. And like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of found myself, I don't know whether it is that thing, like, you always look for stuff that you can relate to in films. And I, I found myself like kind of relating to that stuff as well. And obviously, yeah, as I said, like empathizing to the, yeah. the kind of stuff that I couldn't like, don't have direct kind of um, experience with. Yeah. That's crazy that the world is still so backwards all these years <laughs> later that yeah. this is the movie we're looking to relate to. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a shame that kind of, yeah, as I said earlier, we can't look back at this film and go like, look how crazy people used to be. It's yeah. Like, oh, look how, look how crazier they've got since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did see, I did see, so you posted on Twitter that we were watching this movie and someone commented and they said it aged poorly or, or that they didn't think that it aged well. And I yeah, wanted, I, I wanted I to wanted kind to of dive on that and ask as for why. Like I, I yeah. kind of I normally ignore those kind of comments because it's like if you don't if you don't want to take the time to expand on your thoughts, like or I don't know, like, yeah, I I noticed in this article, like these points like do you know what I mean? Like uh, I don't know, yeah, like you can imagine there being like some kind of I don't know, article being like ten reasons why the birdcage is <laughs> harmful to the queer community or something like that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean the only thing that i can think was what i mentioned about maybe it's a grooming situation Mm -hmm. i feel like you know i could do without the the age thing there but otherwise i think like as a queer story i don't think it's age poorly i think it's really fun it's still it's still really fun to watch i'm not offended by it i like like you're saying, you know, like we get all of these like really heavy topics thrown into jokes, which are not funny, but it, I don't know, it's good. It's, it's a great movie. Yeah. So, so Yeah. Sometimes we need stuff in like, I don't know, we need, that sh- we need a sugar pill to kind of swallow yeah. that, that hard stuff. So yeah, to have, have a film like this that kind of sneaks that stuff in and mm-hmm. it's a riot, like it's an absolute riot from start to yeah. finish. It's like. It it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome. Like as I said, mm-hmm. I'm I'm eager to check out the the original. I'm eager to see if there's like a 
a filmed version of the Broadway play, eager to check mm-hmm. out sequels to the to the nineteen seventy eight film. Yeah, I'm um, I'm gonna be. I, I am now free from the bird. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you watch, you, watch this space. You'll see me strut, strutting down South Beach in no time, dressed just like Armando. I'll be rocking a mustache. I'll be, I'll be in silk yes. shirts and linen trousers. I can't some, wait to see it. Getting some, sh- is it schmeckle? That, that that little cake that uh, Nathan <laughs> yeah. Lane has. That's an aspect I love about this film as well. Is that um. It shows how integrated and kind of pillars of the kind of community that Armand and Albert are. Like just in that mm-hmm. small scene of like Albert kind of in the bakery and stuff like that, you just get a sense that they're like, I don't know, they found their place. They're happy with who they are. Yeah. And obviously it comes like the butting of heads with like, do they need to shrink themselves, like mm-hmm. and change their ways for their son? Like who I've seen some people say like, the real villain of the piece is Val to even like kind of ask his parents to do this in the first place to like, have yeah. to, can you pretend to be straight? And obviously, yeah, funny stuff comes out of that. Like the, that moment that, that them sequences when they're like going back and forth about like how to, how to act like a straight man, whether yeah. it's how to butter some bread or uh, right. talking about sports or, uh, Walk, walk like, like John, John Wayne. Wayne. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it's like uh, when Albert says, was, "Was there something wrong with that?" He's like, "No, it's perfect." I just never realized how weird Jane, uh, John Wayne walked. I was like, yeah, right. I loved it. I loved it. Um, amazing. Well, yeah, that's that's the birdcage. So as we wrap things up, Carson, I always like to ask my guests: Did they manage to find any Copla connections within the film? Were were there people who worked in this film on screen or behind the scenes who worked with the Coplas elsewhere in their filmography? Did you manage to find any? Hmm. I I don't I got a quick list. If 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 not, I can rattle some off. Uh, yes, for, for please you. do. So we got Robin Williams, who was in uh Jack, which was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. He was also in Night of the Museum 2, along with Hank Azaria. Um, and yeah, Jonathan Schwartzman was the uh, cinematographer for that. Nathan Lane does the voice of Ham Egg in Astro Boy, which Nicolas Cage is also in. And Gene Hackman is in The Conversation, which is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And Diane Weist is in Edward Scissorhands which um, Stephanie Schwartzman also worked on that film. So there are our Coppola connections for this episode. God, their <laughs> arms are in everything. Yes, yeah, yeah, they've worked, they've, they've worked with everyone. I kind of, just uh, for fun the other day, I just picked a random film and saw how many clicks through IMDb I could get back to the Coppola family. And I don't know, I think I might do it as like a a Twitch live stream where I just get people to like, yeah, give me a film, just like share my screen and like, yeah, kind of like, all right, let's see, let's see, can we do it in less than 10? Like, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> that's really funny. I like this. Yeah, I'm going to be like uh, the, the rain man of the Coppola family, just kind of like, <laughs> all right, this connects to this, this connects to that. Um, yes. So before I let you go, Carson, let's rate this film. And the way we do that on this podcast is what would be the perfect wine pairing? Or the birdcage. Oh, 
this begs for a nice sharp chardonnay Yes. Oh my God, with three ice cubes in it. <laughs> because red wine has tannins in it. White wine yes. does not. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. I think, yeah, that or something with a little bit of fizz, because there's a lot there's a lot oh. of fizz in this film. I think uh-huh. a little, like maybe a Prosecco or kind of a, a sparkling wine, I think this film has, has that energy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I definitely, you know, what? I gave it a Chardonnay because that's what I imagine like, um, older women on South Beach drinking, <laughs> and like that's that's the feeling that it evokes for me. Amazing. So, how much are we paying for this wine? AKA, is the film any good? Is it bottom shelf, middle shelf, or top shelf wine? Um, you know, this is this is not a wine that you buy um at a store. This is this is strictly a wine that restaurants purchase in bulk from a distributor and um we're paying about it'll run 18 dollars a glass and somewhere between 65 to 78 dollars a bottle depending on the night of the week nice nice we're 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 going on to that second page of the wine menu we're not looking yes we're not looking at the house the the house can very much uh Mm -hmm. pass on that (laughs) stuff I, i love it yeah i think i think this is this is definitely like top shelf. I think like there's something mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this film. And yeah, again, I, I thank you for kind of opening my eyes to it and uh, showing, showing me the light that is the birdcage. It was my pleasure. <laughs> so can we say based on this film alone, mm-hmm. are the Coppola's the greatest film family of all time? Based on this film alone? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. no 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 more comments on that perfect so uh yeah let's wrap this up and i i always like to end on two questions the first being which coppola family member would you keep but in doing so you get rid of the entire filmography of the rest of the family jesus okay this took a took a really dark turn (laughs) they're all Uh, safe they're all safe. They're, they're not uh-huh. like put into a shredder. Uh, uh-huh. they, they, they just, they, they were never born at all. That sounds even darker, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, so based on just like soundtracks alone, <laughs> uh, it's got to be, I got to keep Sofia Coppola. I have to. I, um, before I even like became like a film junkie or like a critic at all, I always really resonated with everything Sofia Coppola. I I love her. I love her filmography. I can't like there's not one film that she's made that I thought, mm, not for me. Yeah, I think if I'd like uh when when I eventually like make it out to LA, like one of my like things to to visit would just be like a tour of locations that Sophia uses in her films whether it's Uh the the bling ring or somewhere do you know what I mean like I'm not I'm not sure if you can get to that pool that they they dive in in somewhere like I'm sure I'm I'm sure it it probably anything is is possible (laughs) yeah have to have to break into the Chateau Mamont but it'll be fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) amazing so I always end on this question which is 
What does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Okay, I was thinking about this. And I think what he says, he has a confession. And I think he becomes self-aware, maybe even sentient. And he says to her, I am a horrific person and I, I don't deserve your time, energy, or attention. And I'm going to eject myself off of this earth now. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, like, this question uh, has obviously taken a turn since uh, <laughs> things have, uh, I don't know, I think a lot of people have, like, kind of said, like, with Bill Murray, because you don't have to do a lot of digging to kind of read about his past and kind of complaints oh. about him. See, but it's not even Bill Murray himself. It's just the character. I think he pl- <laughs> like that's a bad character. <laughs> he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's cheating on his wife. Like he's, you know, and and like he's using Scarlett Johansson in that movie as like escapism. I don't think he actually cares about her or like what she has to say or, you know, he's just kind of like using it as someone to talk at instead of talk to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, def- so that's what I think he says. I think he. I think it's like I don't deserve your time or attention. Goodbye. That well, that 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 that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's probably yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and I, I totally, I totally misread it as like Bill Murray, like kind of coming out of character and being like, "Hey, Scarlett, I'm a bad guy. I, I'm like mm, in years mm. to come, I'll be groping mm. people on sets." Uh, <laughs> yeah uh, no no i sorry didn't word that correctly no what do you fine. think what do you think he says well that will be said on a later episode of the podcast ah oh um, <laughs> whenever you watch whenever you watch lost in translation yeah when that episode finally comes out it will either be uh, a significant episode like the hundredth or it will be the final ever episode seeing as this this wow. question is such like a a pertinent question yeah. throughout the podcast and yeah i guess the final episode will just be a super cut of everyone's answers and then mine <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay i'm looking forward to that that sounds like fun oh my god so, so Carson, thank you so much and coming and making some copal connections with me where can people find you and everything you're doing with movie mavens yeah so uh you can listen to movie mavens wherever you listen to podcasts we're on spotify apple podcasts um maybe even like iHeartRadio. i don't know wherever you listen <laughs> um you can catch us on twitter at movie mavens pod where we often put up polls that you can vote on for our double features and you can follow us on instagram at movie mavens and you can find annie and i on twitter on instagram reach out we love talking about movies hit us up um and i yeah annie's gonna be on in a couple of weeks i guess to talk about jurassic park dominion yes (laughs) shout out to that episode (laughs) amazing again thank you so much for coming and joining me and making these copla connections thank you thank you so much for having me this was great
And there we have it, guys. Another episode down. Another film checked off the amazingly long list. Uh, I think recently. I may have said this again recently. Um, but um, yeah, I'm going to be doing this podcast for at least another three years. And that's about all of the kind of Nicolas Cage detours that we take revisiting his films or any new films that he comes going out. So, oh boy, if you're... Uh, Hope, hope you're in it for the long run, guys, because I know I am. I know I am. I, I say that. I'm sure there's loads of podcasts who are like, well, I'm doing this for the foreseeable future, so what's three years? But we're going we're to we're go on forever. I'm going to be, yeah, I thought about it recently. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to possibly be like 40 still talking about Nicolas Cage. Because, he's, yeah, he's, he's, still got, he's still got a good, uh, good innings in him, I reckon. So, uh, And the Coppola family are going to keep on going. So, yeah, I'm going to be a... Oh, It'll be forever. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, uh, well, yeah, if you enjoyed this film, please let let me know what you thought of it by uh, heading over to all the socials. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox, and TikTok, all at Caged In Pod. Or if you'd like to drop me an email, you can do so, which is Caged In Pod at gmail.com if you'd like to support this podcast financially i know times are tough at the moment uh but yeah if you've got any spare cash would like to become a patreon you can oh you can for as little as two pound fifty a month for three dollars you can join the movie back bros tier where currently we are going for every single brian de palmer having a little chin wag and how his career um, compares to Francis Ford Coppola's at the year that the film was released so the last episode we put out was The Untouchables so that would have been 1987 so we can see at the end how that fared up against Gardens of Stone which I talked about a few weeks ago here on this podcast with Sean Fennessy so that's a lot of fun and um, my kind of love for Brian De Palma has grown again recently uh, in my kind of Covid stupor I've just been watching Brian De Palma films. I watched, um, I watched Billy Friedkin films as well. I watched, uh, what was it, To Live and Die in LA and Sorcerer for the first time uh, the other day and was blown away by both of them. I think uh, To Live and Die in LA really taps into something I enjoy, which is um, the prestige that scumbag term that I learned from Sean Fennessy and um chris ryan over on big pitch kind of I, I love that term and it's yeah it's kind of having the words to something i've enjoyed in cinema for kind of my whole life uh, <laughs> is the prestige scumbag and sorcerer is just wow what a film i absolutely loved it it's uh, yeah <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure i'm probably preaching to the choir here but yeah check really check that out uh, i've been listening to the score ever since kind of in those moments, I kind of pop outside for some fresh air. <laughs> uh, I just kind of had the yeah sorcerer score uh, in my in my ears. Well, yeah, that's enough. I don't know why it's turned into Petrus's COVID diary, but here we are. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching a lot of films. I've been having as much fun as I possibly can, um, whilst kind of trying not to lose my mind. And I don't know. From speaking to people, I think COVID's really hit me quite bad. Uh, as we're speaking now, um, I'm going to head uh, off tomorrow. 
Thanks. Uh, uh, I can't get up to get my prescription, obviously, and the uh, prescription won't be ready until tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, family member will be picking it up for me, but uh, I. Yeah, I've got a chest infection as well, so the joys, the joys, the joys. Uh, so, as for next week on the podcast, oh, it's uh, a real fun one. And um, I'm sure already you're probably fed up with Jurassic World, Jurassic Park chat. I'm sure that every podcast in the world has either talked about it or from what I'm seeing on the online discourse, everybody is laying boots into Jurassic world dominion but uh, let's take a step back because i was joined by will chich and um, russell bailey of the fantastic not just for kids podcast to talk about jurassic world fallen kingdom and it's kind of it's kind of really great chat we kind of talk about uh, jurassic park through the lens of being parents when's the best time when's the kind of entry point in the uh, Jurassic Park ephemera to get your kids involved. We talk about our problems with that film, things we disliked, things we liked. Uh, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so that's there for you to enjoy next week. And then the week after that, well, you have to listen to next week's outro to find out what that's going to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, if you would like to support this podcast and you don't want to give me any of your money, that is perfectly fine. What you can do instead is to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Remember, yeah, leave five stars and in your review, please be sure to write what you think Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation. So as ever, I've been Petros Patsilovus, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. Remember to keep it caged in and I'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Coppola Connections. A Drip Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. 
Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.